the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Okay, so let's come to First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine. Last week, when we were having the prayer and fasting, we started teaching on uncommon laborers with God. Somebody say uncommon laborers with God. Uncommon say uncommon laborers with God. Uncommon say God is looking for laborers. God is looking for laborers. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. Sign up to labor with Him. Sign up to labor with him. Amen. So that's what we started looking at. I said that God can work without us. How many of you remember that? I said God can work without us. He can accomplish his purposes without that. And he's done that before. God can do that. Isaiah 59 verse 16. He says, when he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor, therefore his own arm brought salvation unto him. When there was no man, he went. When there was no intercessor, he went. Praise the Lord. So when God works with us, we are only privileged to work with him because he can do what he wants to do without us anyway. He can do it without us. Stones can do what he's called us to do. Donkeys can do what he uses us to do. So he can do it without us. But we are privileged and most blessed when he chooses to work with us. Praise the Lord. So God chooses to work with us. That's why working with him is a privilege and it needs to be seen as such. We establish the fact that the work of God demands a lot of laborers. Somebody say, God needs a lot of laborers. God is not running a corner shop that requires only one employee or one person to take care of. God has a business and his business is to save the whole of humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish whosoever everybody is in the picture and if everybody is in the picture he needs everybody that he can get in order to reach out praise the lord that's why jesus in describing the harvest in matthew chapter 9 verse 35 and 38 all the way to 38 he says when he went about teaching everywhere he was limited he couldn't do much in fact the whole idea of god taking jesus away and bringing us the holy ghost is so that you have more laborers that's the whole idea. So he could have more laborers. Jesus was limited. That part of the world, the Middle Eastern part of the world, that's where everything happened. Praise the Lord. All through his early ministry, that's how far he could go. Paul carried it and took it all the way to Asia, to Europe. And then the Europeans also carried it and brought it here. Now imagine that Jesus had lived only there. He had not gone, the Holy Ghost had not come 
And all of these things have not happened. So the Holy Ghost came so that God can easily recruit laborers. Now, Jesus does not need to come to Ghana. Once the Holy Ghost is here, any Ghanaian who gets saved and gets filled with the Holy Ghost immediately is recruited as a laborer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's it. That's why the principal work of the Holy Spirit, which I'll be talking about very soon, has to do with soul winning, soul salvation, soul establishment, soul transformation. Somebody said the principal work of the Holy Spirit is to make me a witness. Say the principal work of the Holy Spirit is to make me a witness. Yeah, 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 yeah. In deed and in life, the Holy Spirit is the only one that can make you a tangible witness. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is what come upon you, and you shall be my witness. You can be my witness until He comes. But when He comes, He fills you with boldness, He confirms the well preached with signs and wonders, and He makes you a living witness. That's what the Holy Ghost does. So we are called to become uncommon laborers with God. Somebody say uncommon laborers with God. And I said that in all labor there is what? In all labor there is what? In all labor there is profit. In all labor there is a scriptural law. Anywhere people labor they gain profit. So when we choose to labor with God there is profit in it. There are those who labor for themselves. The Bible talks about it. And there are those who labor for others. And there are those who labor with God. When we labor with God, there are amazing prophets that accompany us. And there are various ways we labor with God. Somebody say there are various ways. Say there are various ways. There are various ways we labor with God. One vital platform for labor is in Colossians chapter 4 verse 12. Let's look at that. Colossians 4.12. Colossians 4.12. Colossians 4.12. Let's read it together. One go. Epiphras, who is one of you, a born servant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Receive the anointing of Epiphras. He says, Epiphras, who is one of you? I like the fact that he, the focus of his prayer was to help people stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Let me show you something. That was Apostle Paul's also mission. Colossians chapter 1 verse 24 to 29. Apostle Paul went through many experiences. And you know, he was one of those uncommon laborers as well. Paul was an uncommon laborer. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they, yet not I, but the grace of God which was bestowed upon me. He says, in labors more abundant. When he was talking about his apostolic deeds. Now, Colossians 1, 24 to 29. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Okay, somebody say, suffer for the Lord. Lord. Yeah. We have to understand that suffering is part of our Christian heritage. It is in line with God's will when we suffer for good things, for kingdom things. Are you here with me? Sickness is not part of those. But when we endure suffering just to advance the cause of Christ and to make sure that the gospel of Christ advances, that is legitimate. Paul said, I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. 
<laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> so the afflictions of Christ, something is lacking in it. Christ suffered, <laughs> but there's still some more sufferings to be done. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, Christ suffered. <laughs> see, to fill up the afflictions, of, which is lacking. We can never advance the gospel of Christ in comfort. When we think only about ourselves, how we can be comfortable, how we can live well, enjoy life, and live life, there is no way we can seriously advance the cause of Christ. The cause of Christ has always advanced through sacrifice and pain and suffering. I'm not communicating here. Yeah. If you think only about yourself and your comfort, there is no way you can advance the cause of Christ. Christ didn't think about his comfort for you to be saved. The early church didn't think about their comfort for you to be saved. Neither. Now listen, the people who brought us the gospel, the most popular one in Ghana is Makion. How did he die? The malaria you have antidote to today, and you have suffered it several times and you are still alive. It attacked him and he couldn't make it, and he died. Where he comes from, there's no malaria there. I'm not complicating here. But he came here. So if he has laid that kind of foundation and today you are saved, and you are always thinking about yourself, <laughs> your Christianity is different. <laughs> and I'm not sure it is the one that will merit the kind of reward the apostles received. He said, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. So when we come to building the church of God, there are things you are going to suffer. You come to church and somebody offends you, you say, I'm not coming to church again. You are a joke. Do you know what the man went through to get us saved? Do you know what other people went through to get us established? He says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now go to verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. <laughs> to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now let's look at verse 29. Him we preach. Follow this. Him we do what? Him we preach. Him we preach. This is one platform we also labor with God. Him we preach. Him we preach. You see, under the new dispensation, we have been made kings and priests. In, under the old, if you wanted the word from the Lord, you needed to go to a prophet or a priest to get it. But in our era, all of us have been called into the preaching ministry. Somebody has been called to preach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't take your mind too far. If you want this altar, you'll get it someday. Praise the Lord. Yeah. But there are too many altars around you. I'm not communicating here. Anywhere human beings are, you have to preach the gospel. The Bible says, go into the, all the world and preach the gospel. It was not given to a select few. It was given to every child of God. Preach the gospel. He said, him we preach, warning every man. Look at this. And teaching every man. So when we preach, we warn. When we teach, we warn. Warning and teaching every man in all wisdom. May the Lord help us. Amen. <laughs> teaching in all wisdom that we may present. Look at this. That we may present what? 
every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I teach. He said, one, I suffer. I teach. I preach. And my focus is to present every man perfect in Christ. And while Paul was teaching suffering and preaching to present every man perfect in Christ, there was a brother in the church called Epiphras, whose job was also to labor in prayer so that everyone will be presented perfect and complete. So when you go to verse 29, it talks about it. It said, to this end, I also labor. The same work that Epiphras was doing, he was also doing the same thing. I also labor, striving according to his work and which works in me mightily. Paul was laboring, Epiphras was laboring. That's how they built the church. Praise the Lord. That's how they built the church. The church of God can never be built by one man. God never designed it that way. Yeah. He never designed it one way. And every one of us has been called. He said we are laborers together with God. Somebody say I'm a laborer together with God. Say I'm a laborer together with God. Okay, so we saw a few things about Epiphras, among which was the fact that he was one of us. Somebody say he's one of us. It means that any of us can be Epiphras. He was a born servant. And all of us have been called into the vineyard of God to serve. And then Epiphras labored. Somebody say he labored. He labored fervently in prayer. He labored fervently in prayer. You see, to labor in prayer is different from just praying. By the time you are laboring in prayer, <laughs> a lot of energy, a lot of time is committed to it. That's what Epiphras was doing. But the focus of the prayer is very important for me. Look at this. He says, always laboring fervently in prayer for you. Somebody say, praying for you. Praying for you. So his prayer was not for him. It was not for his family. It was for the church. He says, always laboring fervently in prayer for you. He was constantly praying. Constantly praying. Constantly praying. The focus was not in himself. One of the greatest, I don't know how to describe it, but one of the unfortunate things that has happened to the modern church is self-centered prayers. Somebody say self-centered prayers. Self-centered. Yeah. The reason why we are not seeing the revival of God like we ought to see it's because people don't pray kingdom-centered prayer. We pray self-centered prayer. So we don't care about the city we live in, whether people are saved or not. We don't care. We don't care about the place we work, whether people are saved or not. We don't care. I mean, when was the last time you took time off to pray that those guys around your circle of influence at your place of work, doctors you know, pharmacists you know, nurses you know who are not born again, they come to the conviction of the Holy Ghost in your interactions with them. When was the last time? The fact that it's not even crossed your mind is where the challenge is. Epiphras, who is one of you, a born servant of Christ, greets you, laboring always fervently for you. Before we even go out, we are talking about inside. Epiphras was praying for the saints. Do you know that Christians need prayer? <laughs> We need prayer. We need prayer. Praying, laboring fervently for you in prayer. Laboring always fervently for you in prayer. That you may stand. Somebody say stand. stand. Say stand. stand. Stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. If you want to do the will of God, eh, <coughs> you need a lot of prayer. 
You need a lot of people. A lot of people have just run away from their place of assignment because they didn't get the help they needed. It takes a lot. Stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. In all the will of God. That is Epiphras. So Epiphras was interceding for others. Somebody say he was interceding for others. So tonight, I just want to zero in on that. What does it mean to intercede? To intercede simply means to pray for others. Somebody say pray for others. Look at Jeremiah 7 verse 16. He said, therefore pray not thou for these people. Pray not thou for these people. That's intercession. Pray not thou for these people. Nor lift up a cry nor a prayer for them. Neither make intercession for to me, for I will not hear. This is a very serious situation. <laughs> when God himself says, don't pray for the people. <laughs> don't make intercession for them, for I will not hear. By the time a people come to a place where there's no intercession for them, they are lost. When intercession is going on fervently and consistently for a people, no matter the hole they are in, they will come out. Are you here with me? You will always come out. You will always come out. I had a pastor's testimony where he lost, I think, his child through a situation. And he was saying that when the incident happened, he got so broken that for a year he couldn't pray. And then a pastor friend of his told a group of women, the daughters of Philip, <laughs> and put them together and told them they should be praying for him every day. So they met and prayed for him consistently for the whole year. When he was sharing his testimony, he said he doesn't know how he survived. But it was when that knowledge came to him that those people, he felt that some way, somehow, somebody was helping him. And these people didn't even know him from anywhere. You see, when we get to heaven, it will be amazing. The kind of rewards people will receive. Those who have very flamboyant gifts, stand in front of the choir and lead song stand here and preach. You will meet some old lady coming from somewhere. And when she comes, and they are rewarding maybe Rehan Bonki, after Bonki has received us, they say, old lady, come. <laughs> yeah, old lady, come. And she wasn't a drama for Bonki. She wasn't a musician for Bonki. But she was an intercessor for Bonki. You see, the beautiful thing about prayer is that you can do it for people whom you will never meet. Am I communicating here? Yeah. And that's why God rewards intercessors uniquely because he sees you secretly. It's one of those secret jobs. Secret job. Nobody knows. I want you to, when this series is over, to review your prayer points. There's a way a Christian prays. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a way a Christian prays. A Christian prays differently. Nowadays, the way some people pray, you don't know whether they are traditional people or It's amazing. <laughs> some of the things and the words people use in prayer, even they don't even use it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now look at this. To intercede is to bear another person's burdens through prayer. To bear another person's burdens through the medium of prayer. <laughs> we intercede when we bear other people's burdens through prayer. 
bear other people's burdens. Galatians 6 verse 2. He said, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burden. That's how a Christian lives. A Christian does not live for himself. He lives for others. Bear one another's burden. Somebody say, bear one another's burden. What it means is that if a brother is going through a challenge, you pick it up in prayer and without even he coming to tell you. Most of the time, we want to know what people are going through. Not so we want to pray for them so we can gossip about it. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. The moment you get anything negative about someone in the family of God, the first thing you are supposed to do is not to get details, is to pray. Is what? Pray. You heard that a brother has gotten into a challenge. A man of God has a challenge. The first thing to do is to pray. Is anyone afflicted? Share it on social media. Is that what the Bible says? It said, let him pray. He's afflicted. He needs to pray. If he's in a community of believers, they must stand with him in prayer. Bear ye one another's burden. The burden could be a marital burden, uh, what do you call it, a business burden, whatever it is. Bear ye one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? The law of love. Praise the law. Yeah. When we pray for others, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. And there are two kinds of intercession. Number one is personal intercession. Number two is corporate intercession. Somebody say personal intercession. Yeah, personal intercession is where you as an individual like Epiphras was doing. So Epiphras probably had a job that will not allow him to possibly be out every time when there is an evangelistic call. You are going for good news, man. But Epiphras may probably be out of town on the day, maybe doing business somewhere. But Epiphras made sure that on the day, some significant amount of time was invested in prayer just for that purpose. One of you, Epiphras, one of you. That's Epiphras. And then, of course, we have corporate prayer, corporate intercession, where we come together and we are not praying for ourselves. That's the kind of atmosphere I love. I like the atmosphere of prayer where the prayer is not about us, it's about others. It makes it look like we don't have needs. But as we are praying for others, the Spirit of God is making intercession also for you. That's what happens. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. The Bible says, Peter was therefore kept in prison. But prayer, prayer, prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Corporately, the church was praying. Corporately. Then you are bad, sorry. There be a Sunday service. And yes, Sunday service here. We say we are praying into this. We say we are praying into this. What should we be praying into? <laughs> yeah. What should we be praying into? If you put your heart into praying this prayer very well, that issue that you have, you will not pray about it. It will be sorted out. Praise the Lord. Jesus said that when you pray, say, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. As it is in heaven. When his will is done, your life will be affected. I'm not communicating here. When his will is done, when you pursue his will, Jesus said that my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his course. When he sent them out, he said, when I sent you for lack you anything, they said nothing. Without ceasing, consistently, the church was praying consistently. And amazing things happened. Let me just walk you through this briefly. Ten reasons why you must constantly engage in intercessory prayers. Number one, Intercessory prayer is good, pleasing, and acceptable to God. Somebody say, it's good, pleasing, and acceptable to God. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why you need to pray. 
the Bible says that if you know to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. He says, as much as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Do good unto all men, especially those who are in the household of faith. And one of the good things we can do to God is to pray for other people. Look at what the Bible says. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. First of all then, I admonish and urge that petitions, specific requests, prayers, intercession, prayers for others. Can you see that? Intercession prayers for what? Others. And thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all what? People. All all, all for kings and all who are in positions of authority or high responsibility, that outwardly we may pass a quiet and undisturbed life, and inwardly a peaceable one in all godliness and reverence and seriousness in every way. Look at this, look at this verse 3. Let's read it together. One go. For this kind of praying is good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. So there's a kind of praying that is good and acceptable before God. There's a kind of praying. This kind of praying, where you are stepping in for others, is good, acceptable, and pleasing before God. It's good. That's the kind of prayer that Solomon came with. And God said, you ask this. Because everything Solomon came to ask, there was nothing that had to do with himself. Solomon didn't need money. So God actually told him, he said, Solomon, look at you. You could have asked for favor. You could have asked for all kinds of things for yourself. But because this was in your heart and you have not requested for all of these things for yourself, now I'm going to give you all of those plus more. The Bible said, what Solomon asked pleased the Lord. The Bible is telling us here that this kind of prayer pleases the Lord. When Solomon asked something and it pleased God, remember God stepped in. He didn't ask for it. God stepped in and supplied it. May the Lord surprise you. Amen. I said, may the Lord surprise you. Amen. Between now and the end of the year, as you become intentional about interceding for others, may the Lord surprise you. Amen. May the Lord do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Number two is intercessory prayer is critical for the salvation of all men salvation of all men listen intercession is critical intercessory prayer is critical for the salvation of all men god wants all men saved but he can't do it without working through men and the first work god needs done through men is a work of prayer god had a redemptive plan to save humanity through christ and that redemptive plan could have easily been aborted but for the intercessory prayer of one woman called Anna. Anna was in the temple, married only for seven years. The husband died, lived 84 years. As a widow, what was she doing? Staying in the temple and praying consistently. When Jesus was born and Herod wanted to kill him, those dreams and revelations that were coming, they were not just coming home. Somebody had prayed them. She had prayed them into manifestation. The safety of the Christ had been prayed years in advance. 84 years, imagine. Stayed with the husband for seven years only. Then she died. Then the remainder of her years committed into praying. Day and night. The Bible says she served God in prayers and fasting. Prayers and what? Prayer with fasting. That's what the woman was doing. 
So when Jesus came and Herod wanted to kill and all of those plans, God was just giving revelation was coming upon somebody who say, ah, Joseph was a very spiritual man. It wasn't Joseph. Somebody has made intercession seriously in the secret that made it impossible for the boy to be a casualty. The decree went forth, but Jesus was already out. Praise the Lord. That's how we got saved. And if the people after us, the people in our families, the people around us will be saved, we must stand in the place of intercession for them. We must stand in the place of intercession consistently for them. Consistently. Number three, intercessory prayer is one of the greatest expressions of genuine love. When we love people, we pray for them. Genuine love. The Bible says, greater love are no man than this, that a man will lay down his life for his, for his, so the greater love are no man than this, that a man will lay down his time. Give portion of your prayer time for other people. It's an expression of love. It's an expression of love. Galatians 6, 2. He says, love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. As we carry each other's what? Trouble. Through prayer. Is anyone in trouble? James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone in trouble? Anyone in trouble? Anyone in trouble? Anyone in trouble? Let them pray. And when we help other people by carrying their burden in prayer, we are just in the loop. Number four, intercessory prayer is critical because Jesus left us an example of intercessory prayer. That's one of the examples Jesus gave us. You see, the Christian is not the one who is trying to do something new. Hear me. The Christian is the one who is seriously following the examples Jesus left. That's a Christian. Yeah, a Christian follows. You say you are a Christian because you are a Christ follower. That's what it means. The reason why you are called a Christian is because you are a Christ follower. You are not doing something by yourself, but you follow the steps of Christ. That's what the Bible tells us in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. He says, for even here too were we called. What have we been called to do? Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should what? We should follow what? We should follow in his steps. We should follow in his steps. You remember in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, when Satan was looking for Peter, the Bible says, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I pray for you. That was the work he did. I prayed for you. Jesus prayed for Peter while he was on. Now, he wasn't an intercessor only on earth. Even in heaven, the Bible said he ever lives to make intercession for us. The reason why Satan cannot trouble you and touch your life is because you have an advocate who is constantly making intercession on your behalf. I'm not communicating here. Jesus is constantly doing that. You see, there are two works of Christ. There's what they call the finished works of Christ and there's the ongoing works of Christ. The finished works of Christ. Like Jesus going to the cross to die. It's a finished work. None of us can go to the cross again. He's finished that work. Everything we need, Jesus needs to do for us to be saved has been done. But there's the ongoing work of Christ. He has paid the price for the salvation of all men. But people must hear that that work has been done. Am I communicating here? Yeah, that's what the Bible says that God has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of telling other people 
that that work has been done. The price has been paid and we no longer need to go to hell. You know why people will go to hell? People will go to hell because one, they may never hear that the work has been finished. And others may hear and not choose to believe. These are the only two reasons. It's not that God wants to take people to hell. No, God has done everything he must do so that nobody ends up in hell. Christ has done that. The Bible said he has obtained an eternal redemption for us. So anybody, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the Bible said, how can they believe except they hear? How can they hear without a preacher? So the work is done. That side of the work is done. But the work of preaching, the work of praying, the work of making sure that we contend with satanic forces that are seeking to blindfold other people. You know, people are not saved because they are blindfolded to what Christ has done. They can't see it. Their spiritual eyes have been veiled so they can't see it. So when you preach, they can't hear. When you tell them Jesus loves them, it's like introducing Guinness to them. They can't understand what they are talking about because their minds have been blocked. And for that veil to be taken away, it takes prayer. It takes what? Prayer. It takes intense prayer. You see, that is why you are a Christian and you are not in heaven. We have to understand these things. I'm a Christian. What does a Christian do? Turn clothes, go to church on Sundays, build house, sing hymns. You think that's what a Christian does? A Christian is one who is actively working with the Lord in order to finish the work that Christ began. The Bible says, I write to you, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Jesus began some work. He finished some, but he didn't finish some. There are some that are left for us. And they are left for us so we can co-labor with him. That's why when you get saved, you are not raptured to heaven. You see, God needs you. If you get born again and at the moment you are saved, you open your eyes and you are still on it. God is simply telling you, I have work for you to do here. I have work for you to do. That's why those singing, when the saints go marching, when the saints go marching, when the time comes, we will go. Now, that is not the place. That's not the place. There is work for us to do here. Then you say, I want to go to him. To do what? <laughs> to do what? Not to do what? Where the work is here. The work is here. This is where he has business for you to, to do what? Then we'll be singing forever. That time has not come. Think a thousand years and you are singing. <laughs> Think about it again. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. He said, whereby he's able to save to the utmost. Them that come, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession. He ever lives. He ever lives. That's all he's doing, making intercession. Making intercession. He ever lives to make intercession. May you become a genuine intercessor. Amen. May you become an active partner with the Lord. Amen. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Jesus left us that example. And that was the example the early church followed. They also followed the same example. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 15 verse 4. He said, for whatever was written aforetime was written for our learning. It was written for our learning. Whatever was written. Whatever was written, what we saw the early church do, what did we see them do? We saw them praying for one another. We saw them interceding that boldness and power will be given them so they will preach the gospel with signs and wonders. Whatever was written and is written for our learning. That's what they did. We saw them pray. If you go into the 
book of Acts, all the prayer meetings, none of them had to do with anything material. Praise the Lord. Now get it straight. None of them had to do with anything material. But the truth of the matter is that they didn't lack anything material. <laughs> they didn't lack anything material. The Bible said there was no needy person among them. There was no needy person. And yet, they didn't pray about their needs. You see, there are things when you do, they sort out other matters. They are principal things. Once you take care of them, other things are sorted out. Number six, Apostle Paul left for us an example of intercessory prayer. You know, Paul prayed for others and also asked for others to pray for him. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 to 16. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is Paul, he said, when I heard that you people in Ephesus, you have accepted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, ah, and your love for all the saints, he says, verse 16, I do not cease. Say, I do not cease. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I do not cease. The day I got the news that you are saved, I started thanking God. And I continued praying for I did not cease. That's Apostle Paul. Chapter 3, verse 14 to 16, he says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. He was talking about the Ephesian church. Same thing. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. He said, for this reason. Somebody say, for this reason. <laughs> I like this. For this reason, we also, since the day we had it, do not cease to pray for you. For this reason, do not cease to pray for you. So Paul consistently, a major part, there were three major aspects of his ministry. Building the church, raising leaders, and then teaching and praying for people. Teaching and praying, teaching and praying teaching. I do not cease to pray for you. Paul prayed consistently for others. Not only did he pray for others, he also requested that others pray for him. And that shows that intercessory prayer is vital. He prayed for others and then requested that others also pray for him. Look at that. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19, he said, pray for me also that whenever I speak words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 5.25 But brethren, pray for us. Somebody say, brethren, pray for us. Again, 2 Thessalonians 3.1 Finally, pray for us that the word of God may run swiftly. And then Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18 Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Somebody say, pray for us. Paul interceded for others and then requested that others also intercede for him. The seventh reason why we must intercede consistently is because it's a scriptural instruction. We are instructed to pray for one another. Somebody say, we are instructed. Say, I am instructed to pray for one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm instructed to pray for you and you are instructed to pray for me. So please don't stop praying for me. Yeah. Are you here with me? Yeah. James chapter 5, verse 16. He said, Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another. You want to hear my faults. And you don't even have any intention of praying for me. 
The reason why I can confess to you is because you will pray for me. Not that you will go and carry it abroad. Am I communicating here? Yeah. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Avails much. Avails much. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. This is a scriptural injunction. Ephesians 6, 18, he said, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of what? Prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all, all of the lost people. Pray for all of the lost people. Everywhere. So when Christians come under attack in Israel, we pray for them. Am I communicating here? Yeah. Wherever they are, we pray for them. Pray for all of the lost people, wherever they are. Number eight, intercessory prayer gives you a reason to pray without ceasing. You know, a lot of people don't see the need. I don't have a challenge. Why should I pray? You see, you don't need to have a challenge to pray. <laughs> you don't. You don't. Jesus said, men ought to always pray and not what? Faith. Now, how will you be praying always? Do you think you always have a need? But there will always be a need. It doesn't necessarily need to be a need in your life, but there's a need in other people's life. There's always a need. Somebody always has a need. Somebody has always a need. That's what Apostle Paul talked about. He says, for this reason, look at this, Colossians 1, <laughs> for this reason, we also, since the day we had it, do not cease to pray for you. When it comes to praying for other people, eh? There will always be, we don't have to cease. There will always be, for your own life, all the issues, you need a car sorted out, you need a wife you sorted out, you need, so after all your needs are met, what will you be praying for? But other people have needs. Other people need the Lord. He said, I do not cease to pray for you. The call to pray without ceasing will be meaningless, if not for others. Am I communicating here? If not for the needs of others, if it's just about us, then the moment you pray, your needs are met. That's all. But other people have serious challenges you have no idea of. You need a car. Somebody needs a leg. Yeah. He's at a place where his leg is almost being chopped off. I'm not communicating here at all. So whether you have needs or you don't have needs, we need to pray. Of course, number nine is a great difference intercessory prayer makes can make in the lives of others. You and I have no idea the kind of difference intercessory prayer can make in the lives of others. You have no idea. You and I never know. On this side of heaven, we will never know the difference our prayers in secret for other people made. How others were able to escape and overcome certain challenges, nobody would have been able to overcome but for prayer. But for prayer. But for prayer. The Bible said, I sought for a man, Ezekiel 22 verse 30. I sought for a man that will make up the head and stand in the gap. Now look at this. This is a very sad scripture. I sought for a man that to stand in the gap before me for the land. That I should not destroy it, but I found none. What does that mean? That means that the land will be destroyed. 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 Sodom and Gomorrah would have been completely annihilated 
but the father God found Abraham. 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 That was the only reason why Lot and his wife and his children were able to escape. Abraham, that's the difference it made. Intercessory prayer always makes a difference. We will never know. Intercessory prayer. It always makes a difference in the lives of others. Look at Peter. He became a solid foundation for the church. But when Satan was looking for him, but for Jesus' prayer, he would have been gone. He would have been gone. He says, Satan desires to have you, that he may sift you. <laughs> he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. So when we pray for others, we have no idea what we are delivering them from. Some satanic siftings that are going on. Satan is looking to have you that he may sift you, but I have prayed for you. <laughs> I, he may sift you. I pray for you. Sift you. You shall not be sifted. May our prayers deliver and preserve other people. Amen. Two levels. You remember in the book of Acts 2, they arrested him. They kept Peter in prison. The first one Jesus prayed for him, he, he was spared. Yeah. The second time, the whole church had to come together. But for Peter, there are some aspects of the life and ministry of Jesus who will not have known. He didn't write too many. But if you read his letter, you see that the man knew God. And it's intercessory prayer that kept him. Strong leader. We don't hear of the people who met together to pray for him. We only hear and see Peter. But there were others who prayer kept him alive. So all of such people, on judgment day, when rewards are being dished, all of such people, Peter comes and is collecting his stars. Those who stood for him when they arrested him and he was in the prison and was contemplating when they would come and pick him and go and kill him. And somewhere, somehow, the angel intervened and he came out. All of such people are going to be rewarded. Intercessory prayer number 10 can bring uncommon blessings into your own life and that of your loved ones. When we pray for others, <laughs> it doesn't just end there. The good thing about intercessory prayer is that while you are interceding for others, the Holy Ghost steps in on your behalf. Praise the Lord. Yeah. There's a certain scriptural principle that works every time. Give and it shall be given unto you. The Bible said, he that watereth shall be watered also himself. So when we invest prayer into other people's life, God steps in for us. Job chapter 42 verse 10, he said, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. When he prayed for his friends, receive grace to pray for other people. Receive grace to pray for others. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. And as you stand in the gap for others, may every captivity in your whole life be turned around. Amen. Between now and the end of the year, every captivity in your life, as you learn to raise a strong altar of intercession and prayer for others, may every captivity be turned around. May every captivity be turned around. Every financial captivity be turned around. Every marital captivity be turned around. Every relational captivity be turned around. Every business captivity be turned around. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lift up your hands and receive grace to stand in the gap on behalf of others.
If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. You are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. No, no.